where we talk about the struggles to teach you the trouble. This week, we're taking on the conflict of the Hungarian teacher protest that has left many in Hungary feeling helpless and angry. After restrictive government retaliation, protesters again took to the streets to reinforce their right to strike as citizens. On November 18, 2022, Hungarian students, teachers, and parents formed a six-mile human chain in Budapest, protesting for higher teacher salaries. Several teachers were fired at the Budapest Secondary School for joining the movement, with Nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban navigating his most formidable economic challenge since taking power in a 2010 landslide. Fueled by the fallout from the war in neighboring Ukraine and falls in the foreign currency to record lows, Hungarian inflation is on track to scale a 26-year high next year, while analysts expect economic growth to stall. From their combined monthly salaries of just over 500,000 forints, or 1,270 U.S. dollars, they have barely any money left over for paying rent and bills. To become a teacher in Hungary, you must have a master's degree in teaching. This degree costs on average $4,000 and takes three years to acquire. What I am missing is that I can not live the life of a person with a degree. 43-year-old history teacher Janos Dita, a father of two, married to a fellow teacher, said it at the Budapest rally. We cannot afford to go to the theater, to the opera, or any cultural event. And I think it is a shame on the government of Hungary. He said standing on a bridge and waving to cars honking in support of the protesters. We interviewed Megan Gallagher, who's a student in London and has had similar experiences to the teacher protest in Hungary. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm fantastic. Okay, awesome. So we're doing the teacher protest in Hungary, and this, this is obviously last minute, so just right off the bat, do you know anything about the protest? So I know more so about the, um, like, what they're doing with the EU and the EU yes. Commission. Yes. Um, and then I'm just reading it on the protest by the teachers mm-hmm. um, as well. So I, I'm kind of familiar with yeah. yeah. So obviously it's about the underpaid teachers and just how um, the prime minister is, has the corrections funds from the EU. And so we just have some general questions, like if you're an educator in Hungary right now, would you participate in the protests or would you stay by? Um, I would personally participate in the protests. I think one of the things that I've been introduced to now living in Europe, because I do go to school in London, and even though they're not a part of the EU anymore, it is incredibly common for teachers' unions to exist and for mm-hmm. teachers to go on strikes. Like, you know, even at the higher education level about two weeks ago, for five days, our teachers went on strike oh, wow. for hot protests. And, you know, there's strikes with every aspect of every industry here in Europe, and that's just kind of a lot more common and, you know, goes back to you know, the Industrial Revolution starting all of these this very pro-union thinking. So yeah. it's a lot more common um, over here than I think we're aware of in America. Yeah. And so honestly, it's it's strange to me, especially with the pressure of the EU, mm-hmm. um, that Hungary isn't more, like, I don't want to say pro-union, because obviously governments don't always want to be pro-union. Yeah but aren't more allowing of unions to exist. Yeah, wow. Uh, and then, uh, do you think that the raises they're asking for are reasonable? Like, do you think it's reasonable that they're asking for higher wages? I definitely think so, because I think, you know, one of the big things that the EU and then also, you know, I feel like society wants is the proper education of their children. Yeah. And for a developed country like Hungary, that is a part of the EU, 
them not to live up to certain education standards and public schooling standards, you know, that's going to impact their children, you know, way more than any teacher putting their foot down saying, hey, I need to get paid more. Because if you have, you know, teachers who can't, who aren't getting to have like a living wage and aren't in good conditions, you're going to lose a lot of really passionate, talented teachers yeah. to different industries. Um, who could help educate and empower new generations. Absolutely. So I think it's very reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been a lot of controversy in Budapest over student participation in the protests. Do you believe students should be allowed to be involved? Yes. So I know at least here with the union protests, um, specifically with the schools inside London, there's this uh, uh, phrase about like the picket line is basically students you know, there's a way for students to be a part of it um, that's like safe and protected yeah. for them to show their support mm -hmm. while not necessarily implementing. So I think that that is definitely, you know, that shows a more united front with the teachers um, and with their cause. So I'm all for it. I have uh, the pro-union, um, like, I guess, marches. Oh, what was that like? Ago. What was that like being in the process? It was really interesting because um, specifically what they were, they were asking for higher wages as yeah. well um, with the London protests. And, you know, it's, it's just teachers basically saying, hey, this is something that I really care about. And this is something that I'm really passionate about. And I want to be able to share this knowledge. But you're asking way too much of me and you're, you're not paying me enough for the work that I'm putting into. Yeah. So it's like some surplus labor value. Um, uh, it's just really unsustainable. Yeah, um, how much of an impact would a lack of teachers have on the students? Like, do you think that would really impact the students' education? A hundred percent, because I also think, you know, even Miss Fancher's daughter, you know, she's a yeah. teacher at a public school in Atlanta, and you can just see how, you know, she cares so much about the kids and how there's such, like, a passion and emotional connection with teachers who are in situations where they're getting underpaid, but they care so much about the kids, and that is so much of an impact, specifically within lower education, and then with higher education, you know, that's what helps spark new ideas and new creatives and, totally. you know, new development ideas, so I think if teachers are insanely important. Yes, extremely. Um, do you think it's appropriate for Prime Minister Orban to be withholding raises because of the EU um, refusing the recovery fund? I do not think so. Um, I think because, you know, that's part of being in the EU is that they have, they've been given 27, you know, super milestones. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's part of the conditions to be part of the EU. And, you know, if he no longer wants to follow those rules, um, then that's going to have even more serious implications for the entirety of this country, for the entirety of recovery plans for Hungary and for his country specifically, you know, especially as the Ukraine situation kind of continues to spread um, with the implications of all of that economically. So I think it's incredibly important to be complicit with the EU, especially now for a united front. Totally. Um, striking in a profession like teaching uh, not only affects the educators, but it also affects the students' uh, ability to learn. So with that in mind, is striking still effective? I definitely think so because I think it's, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the ways to show, hey, you know, you can't do this without me. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't do this without teachers. So, 
you know, what are you going to do if we all decide to leave? So by showing what it would look like with even, you know, one or two days or weeks at a time, you know, the teachers here in London took off about six days throughout a two work week long period. And, you know, we all missed out on a bunch of education, but it was one of those things where it's like, you know, they're putting in so much effort when they are working that I would say probably if anything, the hours probably equal out because they're doing so much overtime. Yeah, seriously. Um, so I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, continuing with that last question, can you think of a more effective method of protesting for this certain situation? For this certain situation, um, you know, I do think walkouts are important. I yeah. think um, working with the students is also important, but I think you can also look at kind of like a more local school-to-school -school basis. Yeah. I think that, that can happen alongside it all, mm -hmm. um, whether that be, you know, teachers sitting down with the administrations for their specific schools, sitting down with local government officials and having conversations, because I think that would definitely be the next step, but it's always the question of when is when our government administration is going to be willing to have those sit-down conversations Very and nice. actually feel like they need to make a change. Yeah. Uh, what are some next steps that a protester can take in this? Um, for protesters, I think raising awareness obviously is always a big thing. Um, public discourse is a big thing, so I think you know hosting town halls and hosting meetings where people can have the conversations kind of like you and I are having right now, yeah. where it can be like, okay, what else can we do? Um, you know, having spaces to have public discourse, especially in a post-COVID-19 world, um, you know, I think is incredibly important. So I think, you know, honestly, the more conversing that people can have and the more that you know, you can empower other people, students and teachers alike to think about the next steps, who know that community and who know their, you know, community resources and um, stuff like that. I think those would be the next steps is, is the conversations as well as the awareness around it, just overall public discourse, honestly. Okay, cool. Absolutely. Uh, can you think or have experienced a situation similar to this? I know you've been in the protest. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so specifically within the unions at yeah. King's College and within mm -hmm. the University of London system, yeah. um, it has to do with overtime hours as well as a wage gap mm -hmm. for minorities and for women professors. Um, it's something, you know, staggering, kind of like an 18% wage gap um, between minorities um, and non-minorities. And so, Specifically within, at least at King's College, and I will say King's College kind of does tend to be a little bit more progressive as a university. You know, they get, at least the professors at King's and I think at the University College of London as well, they get support from the administration. Yeah. Um, and I still think that's a big thing is, is when you have um, like the backing of the administration at those schools saying that we support this as well. Um, and, you know, we all, we got heads up from the teachers and from, you know, the administrations, both in lectures, but also through our emails, mm -hmm. where they gave us information about, you know, why they were doing this, you know, the fact that they do have the backing of um, the upper administration at the university, as well as information to go be involved. Um, so I think my experience has been a very positive experience because it's mostly, you know, kind of a, 
an invisible enemy, if you will, yeah. um, or not really face. Well, I didn't really have to face one on one or even group against like somebody saying no. Yeah. It's more so just the the awareness, hoping that it can get up to yeah. the higher levels of government. For sure. So clearly, education has become an underappreciated profession. Uh, do you think the issue in Hungary is or could could be becoming more relevant in other parts of the world? I definitely think so. I think, you know, one thing that, you know, there's almost, especially in post-COVID-19 world, mm-hmm. um, not to say that we're even really out of it, but, yeah. um, you know, that showed, if anything, the need for teachers, the need for schooling, but that it's also shedding light onto the conditions that were already kind of there beforehand. Yeah. Um, but then you're also just seeing more and more, you know, like global inequality and what that looks like, specifically within the rise of like the dependence on technology for teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been a big thing in Brazil right now is like this idea that teaching, you know, we were able to figure out ways to do it online, but in order to do it online, you have to have Wi-Fi resources, yeah. technology resources, um, and the ability for self-schooling. So I think a bunch of issues are kind of compounding right now yeah. to make it more and more, like to make people more and more aware, but I do think the problems have been there for a long time. Yeah, for sure. So that's all we have for you today. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share? Or I do not. I mean, if you guys need anything else, um, just let me know. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Getting Into Good Trouble podcast. We hope to see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.